In Deuteronomy chapter 12, Moses speaks to the people of Israel, giving them instructions for the future. He says, God is going to give you the land of promise, and God is going to give you rest from all of your enemies, and God is going to show you where he wants to make his glory dwell. In essence, Moses instructs them to build a temple. Once you are in the land, and once God has given you rest from all of your enemies, God will show you where he wants you to build his temple. Now, a few hundred years later, during the reign of King David, the people of Israel have entered into the land of promise, and God has given them rest from all of their enemies. And because David knows his Bible, because David in particular is well acquainted with the book of Deuteronomy, he knows what's supposed to happen next. However, God speaks to David, and he says, Not so fast, David. I know you want to build me a house, and and I appreciate the thought, but first, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to establish your throne forever. And as for my house, that's going to be a project for your son. The temple is built not by David, but by the son of David. Even so, King David brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And remember, the the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And so by welcoming the Ark into Jerusalem, David was welcoming God into Jerusalem. This was a very significant moment in the history of the nation of Israel. And Psalm 132, our psalm for the day, calls the Lord to remember it. Remember, O Lord, In David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jair. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. So, Psalm 132 was was most likely written by Solomon, the son of David, or or by one of Solomon's contemporaries. And we have very good reason to conclude this because in 2 Chronicles 6, as this newly built temple is being dedicated for the very first time, Solomon prays this long prayer of dedication, and he concludes his prayer quoting from Psalm 132, verses 8 to 10. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. This is a prayer for God to come and dwell within the temple, to clothe his priests with righteousness, to cause his saints to rejoice and to remember his promises to David. And what were his promises to David? Once again, to build him a house, to make his name great, and to establish his throne forever. So that's the first half of Psalm 132. The first 10 verses are a prayer on behalf of the son of David, a prayer on behalf of the king of Israel. 
For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Or in Hebrew, do not turn away the face of your Messiah. And then, and then following these first 10 verses, following this prayer on behalf of the son of David, God begins to offer his answer. God answers the prayer. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation. And her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. So there's a lot there, but I want us to take special note of um, this imagery of a horn. God will make a horn to sprout for David. The Bible often employs this imagery of a horn to refer to the king. And, and more specifically, to the saving power of the king. The king's power to save. So keep that in mind as we move on. Now, uh, for the remainder of our time, um, I want us to put ourselves in the sandals of a man named Zechariah. The husband of Elizabeth, the father of John. Zechariah lived over 2,000 years ago. He was the member of the tribe of Levi, and he served as a temple priest. Meaning, a few times each year, Zechariah's priestly division would be called up to minister within the temple in Jerusalem. But for most of the year, Zechariah lived a few miles west of Jerusalem. And he, he like everyone else, would have attended his local synagogue every Sabbath day. But, but whether he was worshiping in the temple or worshiping in the local synagogue, Zechariah would gather with other members of the community every Sabbath day, and together they would sing psalms. Multiple times a year they would come to Psalm 132. Time after time, Zechariah sang Psalm 132. Time after time, he was reminded of God's promises to David to build him a house, to make his name great, to establish his throne forever. But here's the thing. In the days of Zechariah, the great house of David had been reduced to a stump. And it had been that way for several centuries. Despite the promises of God, there was no son of David on the throne. There was nothing established about the kingdom at all. In fact, God's people were being ruled by foreigners. So what do you think is going through Zechariah's head as he is singing Psalm 132? 
How do you think he's processing those promises and, and his lived reality? It sure seems like God has failed to keep his promises. It sure seems like God has forgotten David altogether. It sure seems like God has abandoned his people and, and turned away the face of his anointed one. You see, Zechariah had to sing this psalm by faith because he certainly couldn't sing it by sight. The people of God were called upon to sing for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, generation after generation, they were called to sing a song about God's evidently unkept promises. As we come to the end of the season of Advent, perhaps you find yourself in somewhat of a similar place. You know the promises of God, you are familiar with His Word. You even enjoy singing songs of his faithfulness. But to be honest, you've lifted up the desires of your heart time after time, and it seems like you've got nothing to show for it. You've prayed for a word from the Lord. You've prayed for freedom from some addiction. You've prayed for a spouse. You've prayed for a child prayed for a new job. You've prayed for the salvation of a friend. You've prayed for reconciliation with an estranged family member. You've prayed for your joy to be restored. You've prayed for the church to look a little bit more like Jesus. And yet God's promises appear to be unfulfilled. Your prayers remain unanswered. Your desires remain unrealized. And so you have to sing by faith. If if that resonates with you at all, I, I think there is hope to be found in the story of Zechariah. Luke chapter 1 tells the story of, of two miraculous pregnancies. And it's within the context of these two miraculous pregnancies that all of Zechariah's questions begin to fade away. Is God actually trustworthy? Will the desires of his people ever be fulfilled? Will our hopes and dreams ever be realized? All of these questions fade away with the birth of John, followed shortly thereafter by the birth of Jesus. And so Zechariah begins to sing. He sings, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So there's that horn imagery again. Zechariah begins to sing, and and what psalm comes to his mind? Psalm 132, of course. You see, Zechariah understands that the baby in Mary's womb is the promised son of David. Before Jesus is even born, 
prior to the life he lived, prior to his ministry, prior to his death and resurrection and ascension, Zechariah can already see that God is making good on those promises. And so when it, when it doesn't seem like God is keeping his promises, when it doesn't seem like your prayers are being heard, when it doesn't seem like your deepest desires will, will ever be realized, do what Zechariah did. Look to Jesus. Zechari- Zechariah waited an entire lifetime for Jesus. The people of Israel waited many generations for Jesus. You don't have to wait at all. You can look to him in this very moment. That is a privilege of all privileges. You can see and understand and know that Jesus is the son of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah. You can see and understand and know that he is reigning on the throne even right now. He has come to restore the house of David. He has come to to resurrect and to establish at last a kingdom that will last forever. For Zechariah, Jesus was the final and definitive proof that God is trustworthy. The final and definitive proof that God fulfills the desires of his people. The final and definitive proof that our hopes and dreams will eventually be realized. We still have to walk by faith, of course. We still have to sing by faith. But this is not a pre-Jesus faith. This is a post-Jesus faith. He has given us every reason to press on with joy and a fearless confidence. If he was willing to take on flesh and to walk the earth and to suffer and die just in order to keep his promises, then you can know that he's going to keep on keeping his promises. The birth of the son of David means that our God stops at nothing to keep his promises. He stops at nothing to bless his people. And he will stop at nothing to establish his kingdom in the earth. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are trustworthy. You keep your promises. This would be a terrifying and hopeless world if that were not true. Jesus, Son of David, we acknowledge your lordship, your kingship. The throne is yours forever to the end of the ages. Holy Spirit, establish the kingdom in each of our hearts Establish the kingdom in our homes, in this neighborhood. Establish your kingdom in all the earth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.